0: So we are here again. We're moving along Alpha Gentleman podcast. I got my wonderful man here. He is amazing. I don't even know him that long, but I'm gonna call him my man. I'm gonna call my best friend right now. We got Dwayne Burns right now, man. I met this gentleman not even a week ago, but everything that he's been talking about has been fire. It's been fire. Everything he's been talking about fire from life to wealth, from just being a man. has just been amazing. So I had to get him on the show. We can just chop it up a little more. Ladies and gentlemen, Dwayne!
1: What's going on, my friends? How are you guys?
0: Doing good, man. How you doing, bro?
1: All has been well. I'm incredibly blessed. I can't complain.
0: Man, you've been killing it in the clubhouse, man.
1: I really really like that app. That's the kind of app for me because I'm really not the type of person to, you know, flash cars and jewelry or, like, uh, portray just trying to, you know, because personally speaking, like, uh, I, I spend a lot of money on travel, but I, I'm, I'm not the type of person that particularly cares for luxury items. So right. a place like Instagram, Instagram is not really a place where like, I catch someone's attention in four seconds. I do better on platforms that's really more long form. You know, right. where it's, it's really more discussion oriented and people go, okay, I, really, I like your content. I like what you're saying. So I really appreciate Clubhouse.
0: Yeah. I got the little one there.
1: We got the little baby Aria. Hey, Isn't what's right? going on, little baby? Hi, say
0: hi, Ari, girl. Oh, that's my uh, The boy.
1: She's a girl. She's girl. A nine and a
0: half months. Nine and a half months. What's her name? Aria. Aria. Hey, Aria, how you doing? Having a good time. Oh, that's dope. How how many kids you got?
1: I just got one. Yeah, we uh, we just had her in March. In March, twenty twenty, and you know, okay, it's been a roller coaster ever since.
0: All right nice and how how old are you dwayne i'm
1: twenty six I'm November's very own
0: <laughs> with the Drake reference over here okay and, and where are you from you from Arizona?
1: I'm from California right California Bay
0: Area. Bay Area okay what we we'll part go what part what part my I got my fans from San Jose Berkeley Berkeley okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm familiar with them, you know what I'm saying, the Bears.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying,
0: familiar with the Bears. So how long have you been in Arizona?
1: Uh, You've been in California. My whole life. I've always been in California. I'm not in Arizona.
0: Oh, you're not in Arizona?
1: No, I thought you were in Arizona.
0: I am in Arizona.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not in Arizona. I'm in California.
0: Okay, I thought you was in Arizona.
1: But I used to go to Arizona. I used to go with my mom to this church in this place called Huachuca.
0: Huachuca?
1: Wachuca, Arizona.
0: Wachuca, Arizona. Where's that at?
1: I have no fucking idea. <laughs>
0: it's in Wachuka. <laughs> it's in Wachuca. Okay. 26, Arizona in the yay area. Area. So, when you came in the clubhouse, man, your presence you know, struck my attention. You know what I'm saying? The stuff you were saying, you were just giving out gang. You was dominating the room. You know what I'm saying? Dominating the room. That's what I like to do as far as yeah. rolling my stuff out for Jim because you got to dominate. And and basically, let the, your presence be known that you're here. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they were talking about you after you left the room.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're talking about you after you left the room. I'm just like, yo, is this person still in the room? Like, nah, nah, he left already. But but when he was in the room, man, he had all was going. He told us he was this dude, he was that dude, he was doing this, and then he dropped a bomb on us. Yeah. And then they just they, they were stuck on that for about you know a good little chunk of time. When I jumped in there I'm like, okay, well, what what did he say? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying what he what happened. And it just went over to some of the things that you said, and it's just like that's not really shocking or anything like that. You know, if you understand, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Which yeah. Type of man that, that that come the type of things that come with that man and what type of character and how he can, can create what he wants to create. Yeah. that's pretty pretty much comes with the uh the title you know what i'm saying
1: 100 percent. So I in know, the order of men
0: yes yes you know what i'm saying so i know you said that you subscribe um to kevin samuels you yeah,
1: watch yeah, a little I bit like of that. his
0: i mean i mean y'all, y'all don't agree but he definitely hits on some real key points
1: 100 percent, 100 percent, and it makes the most sense when people look at like i think one of the biggest key points people could take away from life when people think about like how do i get what i want Right. It's to understand the desires of the people around you. And the more you understand what people want, the more you can act in a way that suits their self interest because human beings work on incentives. Right. So if we're incentivized to talk to or work with a certain individual, we will. And Mm -hmm. when men and women and men and men and women and women start to realize the circle of life and how we all want something out of whatever we're doing. Right. The easier it is to navigate, what it takes to to arrive at a place where I can become a person of value for the people around me.
0: Dope. And so, um, I know you, you, you talked briefly about. Uh, how, I jumped in the chat. So, did you go to school? Did you go to college? I'm gonna ask questions because I yeah you know, yeah else.
1: yeah we'll we'll go dive into all of it. Um, no, I actually I did go to college for about two years, and then I dropped out. Um, I didn't think college is really for me. Right. And there was a lot going on at that particular time. I think I can't remember what it was, but my parents, my parents, there was a family situation at home and uh, my dad, you know, I broke my ankle, lost my scholarship opportunity. And, uh, you know, what my dad let me know that day, kind of set it off. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and go home. And I kind of just decided to to disattach from that part of the journey. And um, the re- what really discouraged me as well, because it was kind of like just the icing on the cake, was like I was uh, in, in sp- business for uh, political science, in school for political science. Right. And then I, I lost interest in that. I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to be a lawyer. And then uh, I started studying business. I switched my major. I went to business class. I started talking to people because I was watching these YouTube videos at the time. At the time, I was like seeing people like Ty Lopez, uh, the early Grant Cardone. Right. Some people like that. And I'm like so how much money have you made like or do you own a business outside of like your teaching job and it really just started to hit me that a lot of people in college who were teaching business weren't in business and True, that kind of fact. discouraged me i said okay you know what let me get away from this environment let me go find a mentor um i came across this video it's called uh here in my garage uh, by Ty lopez tai lopez right yeah, signature yeah, th- i saw that video and during the 67 steps where he starts promoting that program, he starts talking about finding a mentor. That really what stuck with me in college, and I go, you know what, that's what I need to do. I need to go find a mentor. I need to go find a friend that's doing exceptionally well. And um, I think that my intention, like for example, I, for, for me, I knew I was an entrepreneur when I was 13. Like uh, I would tell my parents, mm-hmm. like honestly, I don't see myself getting a job. And they would always discourage me. Oh, you you can't say that. You need to play it safe. You need to save your money. You right. need to go to college, all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm like, wow, this is really discouraging. But mm-hmm. I knew who I was, and we would butt heads early in my development because I I already knew who I was. And I was already trying different businesses. Like, for example, I started a coffee business when I was 16. A lot of times people look Dude. and they go – they go, "Wow, you're you're incredibly young to be successful." Right? And then but mm-hmm. then they forget that it's like, "But I've already been doing I've already been acting on this for 10 years." Right. You see what I'm saying? Like I've been starting businesses since I was 16 and failing and at 24, 8 years into the entrepreneur journey, I started having real success. And so for me, I think that people romanticize what success looks like.
2: Right. And true.
1: it doesn't allow them to gauge what it actually takes to achieve things at high standards, right? So I, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit of background. But feel free to shoot away. We'll talk about it. We'll dive into it. Yeah, okay. Maybe, you know, I'm an open so, book.
0: Okay, cool, man. Like I said, it's gonna be this shooting shooting uh, shooting this shit real quick, man. Um Okay, well, you skipped the point, right? Okay, you spoke it. So you went to college. So you were an athlete in school?
1: I was, yeah, I played basketball in high school. I was also a martial artist.
0: Okay, so what did you go what was your scholarship for? Basketball. For basketball? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And what, did you go to what school did you go to? Was it Cal Berkeley?
1: It was uh, UNR, University of
0: Reno. University of Reno? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so you was there for 2 years. You broke your uh you, know, you broke your ankle, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, you had a conversation with your parents and then he give you that news and so that Basically, like I you know, the same for me. So when you seen the Ty Lopez video, because I seen the video and I subscribed to him too, and took some uh, some of his classes. Where did you start to find your mentorship at? Because you know they're not just, I mean successful mentorships don't just fall out. You know That's actually they do, but it, it depends on what you're looking for. Because I thought you had to have one mentor, but so said we can have multiple mentors. You know, someone have a business coach, someone have life, relationships. So you don't just have one because, you know, different seasons in life, right? Right, So tell me about the first mentor that you had with.
1: The first mentor I had, his name is Holton Bugs. And he's the one that originally introduced me to to being in the sales business. And uh, for me, growing up, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I did not know how I was going to get there, I didn't see a clear path. Right. My dad strongly discouraged it. What I knew about my dad was, and, and this is something that is not talked a lot about in the black community specifically, is like, I grew up middle class. So I grew up in the type of family where your dad, you never saw your dad, right? Right. But you lived in a pretty decent sized house. Right. Right. And I, but then I go, I looked at his life. I go, look, his, he's always arguing with his wife. He never has enough time for his wife, his children, or for things of his personal interest, and he was all around unhappy. That was one of the original things that inspired me to be like, man, I need more control over my life than my dad had over his life. So no someone like invites my mom, because this is a time where my dad was struggling. This was like right after the 2008 market crash. Okay. Everything is pretty much fucked. I mean, to, 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 I can't put it in other, other words. And what ended up happening was my mom was like, okay, well now I need to start working because your dad needs my help. And a friend of hers invites her to a network marketing seminar down in Sacramento. So we drive down there. Uh, and for the first time ever in my life, I meet an African-American male in his 40s um, who, who speaks proper English. He's not a rapper. He's not a basketball player. He's not an entertainer. And, right. then, and this guy's really balling out of control. I mean, I go to, the, and here's the thing. We go to the conference. I was so hungry for information at the time that like, like for example, some people will meet me today and be like, the way that you speak is like far beyond your years. Some, a lot of people say that, but when I was 16, the effect was even more than it is like, look at me at 26, like to some degree you can hypothesize like why that might be the case. But I literally have been this same person since I was 16. So he gets off stage and I walk up to him. And I'm having a conversation with him, telling him about what I want to do with my life. And I'm super confident at the time. I mean, just unrefined confidence to the point of arrogance. He goes, (laughs) dude, he's like, dude, I like something about this kid. So he's like, I want you to come to this private mastermind event I'm having at my house after the event. So here's my number. Uh, I'm going to text you over the address. Meet me there in two hours. Cool. Okay. We go to his house. This guy lives in a 10,000 square foot house. He has Lamborghinis, Maseratis, basketball court inside his house. I mean, this guy's really killing it. And for me, that was the moment that it clicked where like almost like seeing it is believing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because that was when I actually saw it. And I go, okay, this is real. This is not right. like You see what I'm saying? And that really is what prepared me to, to say like, okay, well, you know what? The only person I know who's not a rapper, ball player, drug dealer, or pimp that's really getting getting to it is this guy, and he's in sales. And, right. and based on the way he's living, I think I need to get into sales. So right. I go into business with this guy, selling coffee. Okay. I failed miserably. I didn't know anything about business. First of all, I was 16 years old, so I didn't know fucking anything, really. Okay. You know, I was just trying to figure it out. But I was super consistent, and um, – I think a lot of what people miss is like people think you wake up one day and you just become an entrepreneur. Like I just wake up. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be an entrepreneur. Give me my millions. I'll be here in my Versace robe, but it doesn't really work that way. Right. It's more of a compounding effect Mm -hmm. where you, one action leads to a a positive or negative consequence. So, Mm -hmm. so for example, the consequence of me early being super confident i was putting videos out this is early 2012 i was shooting content every single day people who were outside of what would have normally been my network were noticing what i was doing and it opened the door to start meeting people who were so much different than what i was used to and Mm, okay and after being at a couple more because obviously what happens is i did meet him who was the most influential and the most memorable to me at the time. But there was also a host of other people who maybe they did or did not succeed in that business that we were there to talk about. But I I networked with new individuals who were talking to a whole new network of individuals. And after engaging myself in that initial uh, desire, I started to start talking to people who I normally wouldn't talk to. I was getting invited to a lot of conferences. And eventually it started leading me to the people who got me into solar.
0: Mm, okay. I mean, I like that. I like in the journey, we like in the journey right now.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So um, so okay, coffee, you know, it's doing the video, getting the content, you're starting to visualize it, so you know it's achievable because yo, I seen it be done. So I, I'm now if I see it, I can definitely can duplicate it.
2: 100%. Got you,
0: okay. Visualization. That's a part of the growth. You know what I'm saying? Part of a lot of the books that people don't read that has all this information in it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, you know what was interesting that stood out to me about this guy? Yeah. He would say, Dwayne, you can't attract money and hate people with it. You can't
0: because attract, what, you can't attract because, money and hate people with it?
1: Yeah, right. Like, okay. for some reason, like, for example, in the culture, I see a lot of the times our culture, we hate people with success. Or we have to demonize their success. It's because they sold their soul. It's because they compromised their values. It's because they did X, Y, and Z. Whereas when you learn to admire the qualities that make people wealthy, right? You start to attract those kind of people, right? Mm -hmm. Because the way that you're predispositioning, the way that you engage with people is from an experience of sincere desire to learn. Right. right. Like, uh, too many people think they know too much. True. Right. Like and, and I feel like I've accumulated a lot of information, like over the last 11 books, the comp or the past 11 years, the compound effect is definitely working for me in the sense that I have probably read over 120, 130 books in the last 11 years. OK, at least I right. think I'm really lowballing myself because I read a lot of books. I mean, my leadership uh, group in my company, we have a book of the month every month. So we're reading a book every month. Nice. Yeah so, yeah. so like, yeah. So, so, I mean, with that being said, it's like, I think that one of the first things people need to do is like, instead of say, like, instead of convincing themselves, because it's easier, like, for example, if you have an idea that you need to be born rich to become in a position of power or wealth, then Every decision you make in life is based on that that prior foundation or belief.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: similar like what the Bible says, life and death lies in the power of the tongue. Or uh, in the beginning was the word and the word became fresh. The things that we believe, we act upon those things and they create physical consequences in the universe. Right. So, so I think that when people start to see that each action has consequences and measure that and start to see that like, Instead of trying to invent a system of success, emulate one. There's already people who have gone where you're trying to go. If you can copy them as best as you can possibly mimic exactly what they're doing, you can propel yourself in the momentum to be able to add your your creative flavor on whatever craft it is that you're you're currently working on
0: yeah right, you're absolutely right uh man. <sighs> You know, it's preaching to the choir right now, man. I love what you're doing. So with the amount of books, what are your top five What are your top five books that you read on your journey that had you like, that's your go-to? You know, a lot of people talk about Think and Grow Rich, you know what I'm saying? That's one that a lot of, you know what I'm saying, th- go-to. All the motivational speakers, you know what I'm saying? Just stand by that book. A lot of information is pulled from that book. You know, that's one of my top ones too as well. So um, what is your top five?
1: I'd say my top five, the first one being the book that was given to me by Holton, the mentor that I met, which was right. uh, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, yep. Th- those are like the basic fundamentals because then you start going, huh, so I should actually be thinking about money this way. Right. right? That kind of propelled, propelled me into the, con- the concept, and I really resonated with that story because – I felt like my dad was in some ways like the poor dad, like he had money. He didn't struggle to eat or to, to, but like he had no time. He was always upset. He hated his job, all that kind of stuff. That's going to be number one. Number two on that list is going to be how to win friends and influence people.
0: Dale Carnegie. Carnegie.
1: Right, right. Then third on my list is going to be seven habits, of highly effective people. Stephen Clint F. Covey. 100%, 100%. My, my next on that list is going to be 48 laws of power.
0: I haven't, that's the one i haven't got to yet i haven't got to that one
1: and then my last one is going to be seller be sold
0: Mm. who's that by
1: grant cardone
0: grant cardone okay all right well i, I was only with the top three i read the top three but said i that was definitely on the list that i got right now um so like i said when definitely when i heard you speaking and stuff you were speaking about it's like yo I know what book he read. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know where it comes from and how the thought process come along to setting goals and stuff like that. Because you know, for me, reading a lot of uh, a lot of books too as well. It's like a lot of information starts to be redundant. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. With some of the books that you read, is it's just like okay, you know, I gotta have a goal. How to visualize. You gotta p- the people that you hang around with. You know what I'm saying. The places that you, that you go, and this makes a difference and stuff like that. So that's cool. Okay, I'm definitely looking to those uh to those other two. And so what about, so, so what about those first three books, I'm sorry, those other two books that stood out to you that you what's a gold nugget that stood out to you in those other two books?
1: Uh, 48 of the Power, I would say what stuck out to me was like, um, it makes you really unpack the raw truth of human behavior. And okay. the way that we relate to each other instance, is to take on the behaviors that we do from a perspective of having a goal to achieve a certain outcome by being able to properly uh, principles to those various situations, which would allow you to get a desirable outcome. For me, I felt like that was the book that taught me to play chess in life. your Laws of Power? 48 Laws of Power.
0: Ah, uh, okay all right so what about seven uh, habits of sex with people with Stephen F. Covey what stood out to you I mean he had a lot of great points in that book but what stood out to you in that one
1: uh let's see it's been a while since I went on that one let me think about what was in that book real quick I'd say let's see cuz I have some notes here
2: okay
0: I, I, while you're doing that, I'll speak for myself. I think the philosophy of communication where uh, seek to be understood, then under, or seek to understand and to be understood is one that I adapted to myself. And so just that philosophy of communication, I see that a lot of companies just over communicate and they had the philosophy to make sure everybody's on the same page. When we roll out information, that's why things fall through the gaps. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to go ahead and send an email out. Well, well, people don't like reading emails. Well, people can't get to the emails. So now people, things fall through the cracks, and you know, these people are not rolling out and doing the things that you need to be doing, or didn't get the information and not um, and not doing the things that they need to be doing from the rollout. You know, we have them all the time. How can you do that? Oh, there's an email sent out. Oh, I didn't mean to email, or I didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Instead of taking that time to be like, well how do you like receiving information do you like having more of a one-on-ones when we do rollouts? do we want to come everybody come to the group and we go through the emails so that was one thing that stuck out to me and that i took and then obviously understanding the dependent independent and interdependent
1: yes 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 now that you're thinking about that that was super powerful for me
0: yeah and is i mean that's that's definitely you know transpired into life because it's like obviously now when you think about yourself as a regular regular person and now I, I I have basically formed something in my group in my class called the warrior the the king and the god you know what I'm saying it's like a rite of passage for men whereas like you're a warrior you're dependent you're a warrior fighting through life you know you're not everyone's just not a king you don't just wake up and you're a king you know what I'm saying yeah. it's kind of like 300 you have to go out in that forest lay the dragon Stay the beast and come back, and then now you have your you have your crown. And so that kind of opened my eyes with the with the uh with that book as far understanding dependent, independent, and interdependent. Seeing how can we work together, changing that I into we. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so that's that's definitely dope, man. I love. I
1: think so. I'm looking at my notes now. uh, Oh yeah, things that stick out to me in these notes, like seven years old, was think win win. Right. Realizing that. Right. Uh, a lot of people have zero sum outcomes and they go through life thinking that everything is zero sum for me to win. Someone has to lose for you to lose. So I have to right. And instead of thinking that you can create mutual beneficial relationships and seeing that as like, okay, foundationally speaking, most people don't think that way. So if I can create win-win scenarios, I'm going to become an anomaly in the way that I communicate and present ideas. Facts. Right. And then, and then, and then the, the other one I have here would be, let's see. Uh, was to be begin with the end in mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like uh, really thinking to myself, does what I desire align with what I do daily?
2: Mm.
1: Like holy and truly, because like if you break yeah. every if you break your lifetime up into just one day at a time. It's like, okay, did the day that you had today, was that the day of a champion?
0: Right, that is true.
1: Like, did you fight a champion's battle today? And, it, you know, if the answer is no, then it's like, okay, now I need to reapproach my strategy so I can see what's the adjustment I need to make so that I'm acting like a champion.
0: I love that one, man. Dropping, dropping jewels, man. Whoever will get this one, man. There's so much jewels being dropped here, man. There's so much, dri- how they say There's So much drip, drip dripping here from this conversation, man. You had no choice, but to get better. If you do the research and you definitely tap into these books that Dwayne is saying, Hey, you definitely need to check out. And so, um, and, and you told me that I know for from the chat, you're married, right? I am. How long have you been married?
1: Just, uh, let's see about a year.
0: Oh, about a year, it'll be, okay. It'll,
1: it'll be a year on the 26th of January.
0: Year 26th of January, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, coming from an athlete, you know, in the Bay Area, what made you want to get married? Because like, a lot of people don't really push, like, hey, man, get married. It's like, talk to everybody else, hey, single forever, bro. You know what I'm saying?
1: Hey, you know, to be honest with you, I wasn't in a rush to get married. Okay. Um, I just okay. put in a position where she was. I uh, got her pregnant, and I realized, okay, it's time to turn the switch on. Because for me, the decision was made after after I made the act that would allow this to, to happen anyway. Right. So it's like, now that you've done what you've done, now it's time to take accountability for that. It wasn't so much that I, I felt like I was incentivized or I had a deep desire for marriage. I think it was just more that I was in a relationship already. And uh, just due to bringing a new child into the world, uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to set them up for success. I wanted to do the right things. And uh, that kind of actually was what quote unquote incentivized me to get married
0: Mm, okay all right shoot that's i like that i like that man that's stupid dope. and so i'm I'm, gonna tap back in here and go to the i I wasn't in the group so i didn't ask the question but it's just like okay they're they're brought it up and it's just like yo i have i have threesomes and i do my thing Mm Is what was brought up is that correct yeah it is okay and <laughs> like he like yeah I said that I said that for real okay and so w- why I want to say why because um let me see if I can get this together here so you do do you think that's that's right for you to do do you think other men should practice that too
1: no I don't think that it's right or wrong okay I think that it I don't think that anything per se is right or wrong. I think that there are things who there are things that have objective undesirable consequences, and we call those things wrong. But I don't I don't think that it is wrong to do that. No, and, and just based on the anthropology and the science that I looked at, I don't I don't think that from a biological or anthropological perspective, I, I don't think it's incorrect either.
0: Okay, and what information that did you do your research on, the, and that you came to the conclusion of that.
1: Uh, a lot of it was sex at dawn because they just give so many anthropological perspectives, but they really kind of through uh, really flooding you with examples uh, okay. in history kind of show you that the majority of human history, um, we have not been monogamous creatures. Even people who were married were not monogamous. Like it was completely normal right. to like go to a brothel. What's a brothel and you were I'm married? Like- a brothel would be like a, you know, a whorehouse. Okay. But back in the day, that was completely normal. Married men, politicians, the king, everybody would go to whorehouses. Yeah. And there was a clear distinction between lust and love. And I think that, um, I think that love has, for from coming from the male perspective, love has a lot more to do with embracing responsibility or accountability. To me, this concept of like, Like, and don't get me wrong, like, I obviously I love my wife, I care about my wife, I love my family. But like this, this concept that love, or this uh, overload of dopamine is the centerpiece of how we should structure our lives, to me doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't see the incentive to do that, just based on that feeling. Because to me, the love that actually matters is an action word. The the love that actually matters is something you decide to do. It's not a feeling that feeling of like, oh, I love this person so much and they're just perfect and they just fix my needs in every way. Right. That's cool. But that's not love in the way that it actually means something in society. Like love in society's eyes is like not being in love and Mm -hmm. deciding to stay there for your family. Like society romanticizes that.
2: Right. That's true. Because
1: they see the value in that. Like, it's almost like the person who is, like, the reason why we see, like, a man who's, like, overly in love with a woman who's not interested in him. Right? That love is seen as foolish. But why? Because the man is not being incentivized for that behavior, which makes him look inferior. Right. So, to me, in my opinion, I think that the idea of love, I think we were, we we think about family and uh, from the wrong lenses, which doesn 't allow us to have the opportunity to have discussions about sex in a healthy way with with our loved ones, you know like there 's a reason why the infidelity rate in America is so high, the divorce rate in america is so high Very. for me for me, if something were natural, you wouldn 't have to try to convince yourself with the threat of death not to do it. If you think about biblical times right? Adultery, fornication. We knew that there was consequences of those actions. Like, for example, if before birth control, Mm -hmm. which is like as recent as like 100 years ago, we could say it's less than 100 years ago that birth control has been extremely effective, right? Right. So before that time, there was an, an extra dynamic there where it was like, if you were having sex, the likelihood of creating children was extremely high. Therefore, We it was important to not to not uh, have sex with people who we could not make long term commitments with to some degree, True to some degree. Right. Whereas in today's world, which is another reason for feminism, the Me Too movement, all these things, birth control has enabled women to prolong the point at which they create children. So now women have more time in the workplace, whereas like 500 years ago, women got pregnant at 15 and that was it. Right, there's no job, you see what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. for me, I, I think it's completely normal. Completely normal,
2: nice
0: man. What you got over there, man? What you got on the bait pen?
1: A little sub, sub,
0: A little something. <laughs> I hear you, man. I'll be on, on the on the on the in the clubhouse. Like, I'm like, he got a little. He's enjoying himself over there. I'm enjoying myself too. I like that, man. You know, um, I definitely agree with you about that. I just think that a lot of the information that we got, it just doesn't make any sense. And because it's been passed down from broken generations where they weren't fully educated to understand the concepts, we've just been bringing those along with us, you know what I'm saying? Because the thing about it, a lot of our grandparents didn't even go to college, they didn't go to high school. But we take this information, we hold it like gold. My grandma said this or grandfather said that. And it's just like, oh, well, yo, my grandparents never went past elementary school. Third grade. You know, yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But I hold the information like it's golden right now. And all the information that I feel, especially for the black community, uh definitely holds you back. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, I want to be a millionaire, but said the people who I'm getting the information from never even touched a hundred thousand, never had a hundred a K job, or never was able to be in a forum whip or have a, a house of their own sometimes. You know. 100%. A lot of times they got a house, but it's like, oh, I worked down here at the mill farm and the house is gone for, you know, a couple thousand or actually a hundred bucks or something <laughs> like that. And I held on for so long and now I died, and we coming to this this uh to this money. And we don't know the first thing what to do with it. I met a dude in a clubhouse yesterday, and I think he was a mutual a hedge fund manager. And we're just talking about you know people in the Bay Area that are just getting this money because their parents were there for so long. They're finally passing away, and they're getting leaving their children the house. And the first thing they do is sell the house, right. and have no plan for the money other than to get a foreign fly a chick out, do some wild you know saying wild uh, immature stuff with the money. So I just think definitely having that, uh, the education to know what you're doing and to guide you in the right directions, like mentorship is definitely important for the black community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and another thing is like, hard work is undervalued in the black community Yeah. because when people do succeed and do so under the most extraneous circumstances, in order for us to not suffer from heavy levels of cognitive dissonance, we tell ourselves they cheated. We tell ourselves that it's, it's because we are disadvantaged is the reason we're not successful. Instead of being able to embrace an idea like saying, maybe there's some areas I need to improve on. Maybe there is more information out there that I should be acting on. And, and it's just a lot easier to serve one's ego and to put all of that to the side and just say, it's because I'm disadvantaged. It's because I didn't have the same opportunities as you. It's because I don't know the same people.
0: Exactly. It's a cop-out, I, I feel. Because, like I said, we have, we have access to the information. You know, we can go to the library. We can read books. It's not oh, like it internet. was back in the day. We have the internet. I'm talking about old school. But you have the internet. You have a smartphone we don't even choose to be smart with at the same time. You know? So, now, going back to your business right now. So, you have a solar business is correct that's correct and how long have you been in the solar business Dwayne?
1: i've been in the business four years four years yep uh, just two of them i've had my own business so i started this company in 2018 and 2018 we are now yeah
0: okay and um so you did you first so the people i know we're going back now so the people that you were bumping into after you had the mentorship introducing more people how would you get involved into solar you know, after all the things that you wanted to do that are as far, as far as sales, what enticed you and made you want to jump into solar?
1: It was literally the commission. I looked at the time I was working at uh, Chevrolet selling cars. Okay. And I'm like, "Man, I'm making about 400 bucks a deal." And um, a friend of mine commented on a video, it was a Facebook friend of mine at the time, but he commented on my video like, "Hey bro, I love your videos, been seeing you super consistent lately. Like you should check out uh, solar sales. You're, you're already in the sales business. I think this might be something good for you. Right. And, we, and it was just literally openness and intention and we ended up getting on the phone because I was, I was always looking for new opportunities. Like for example, when people tell me, it doesn't matter how much money I make, doesn't matter how big my business is. When people tell me that, hey, Dwayne, I wanna talk to you about an idea. Dwayne, I wanna do a business. I kind of almost have like a Jay-Z mentality where it's like, if if what you're saying makes sense, I'm the type of person, more than not, regardless of what you have or what your background is, to be inclined to listen to what you have to say. Because I feel like a lot of billionaires are extremely talented at finding talent early when there's more leverage. Mm, and I okay. kind of wanted to structure myself after that and be able to find talent early, where it's like, okay, I can provide them with what they need for development in these areas. And I'm going to have more leverage working with this person now.
0: Mm, okay. And so the man says you he saw you doing your videos with the assistant, and you know, told you to go without the print, was he already selling solar?
1: Yeah. So he was already selling solar. He was down in uh, Southern California in the Inland Empire. And um, I got on the phone and did like a quick phone interview with the vice president. And um, he's like, well, I'll tell you what, uh, come down here for a week, hang out with us, see what we do, what we're about. Uh, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket. I'm going to get you a rental car, place to stay. And I'm like, wow, these guys must be fucking making a killing if they're just going to do all this for a player. (laughs) Right. And that was kind of what led me to kind of be curious. Like, I wonder how much money is really behind the sale for this industry. And uh, after discovering that, I'm like, okay, I can actually do this. So I actually left that company, started working for a different company that was extremely good at training, right? This company is known for being the best solar sales company in the business. Mm. So I went to go work there because I'm like, look, I've already failed at trying to start a solar company. Because at this point, I've already tried to start a solar company. It failed because I didn't have the technical skills to actually be able to duplicate the skill set that I was, at the time, I wouldn't say I was an expert at, but I was okay, I was good, I was, I was pretty good right. at it. But I still couldn't duplicate. So I went to work at Vivint Solar after my business failing the first time, and being like, okay, I need to figure out how to train people. And I learned their system, learned how they trained, and I started doing the exact same thing in my own business, boom. Uh, that December, or it was November, actually no, it wasn't November, it was, September of 2018 and uh in September I had to go home because what they were trying to get used to is like my schedule my dad committed suicide in May of
0: 2018 oh man sorry to hear that bro
1: so like at that time there was there was a lot going on But the the company was being very, very open with me and trying to support me as much as I could because now they're like, okay, I understand you have responsibilities across the state. Right. Right. So they were kind of lenient with me. But then I I started thinking to myself, okay, so I need to get back to Brentwood because now obviously I have a family to take care of, my mom needs my help, blase, blase. That was really what led me into thinking to myself, how do I start a solar company myself? That way I don't have to be limited to the areas that these people want me to manage or that they want me to sell in. And I could just do this wherever I want to do it at. Right. And I reached out to some, I'm saying, look, bro, this is my situation. Uh, my mom, uh, my, my mom's in a bad spot. My dad just committed suicide. I need you to, uh, basically distribute a couple pallets of panels for me. I promise you I'll sell the contracts and pay you back. Uh, the guy was ex- exceptionally receptive to it. Like he, he really didn't question it twice really gave me my first opportunity, right? I was able to line up the lender, the supplier and the installer. And from them, it was game over. You know, I, I, I was already able to do the selling. And from there, it's, it's just been more about building my leadership qualities, building my ability to be a good trainer and focusing on the way I communicate as opposed to any of the other skill sets. And that's kind of what got my journey started as far as starting the solar company. But when I filed the paperwork, I had negative four hundred and fifty-seven dollars in my account.
2: Nice, and so I here right now,
1: my account to mm-hmm. pay pi- to pay for the LLC. That's how, that is how committed I was.
2: Right, you
0: have to be fully committed. You know, what I'm saying to your goals um, by self-discipline, believing yourself. A lot of people don't believe in themselves. You know, to be distracted by the shiny shiny object syndrome. You know. People that yeah. never seen money, understand business, you know what I'm saying? Telling them how to do a business. Travers in the bucket of right. And,
1: and another, thing, another thing I noticed too. Yeah. That death, it's so weird how that death affects me in 2020 because of what it did to me. So like after this period, you know, and this is very personal to me. Right. After my dad died, I felt like there was nothing to live for. Right, and, and because he went out the way that he did, I refused to quit because I felt like suicide was me quitting. And I'm like, okay, my mom needs me now. My younger brother needs me now. My girlfriend at the time needs me now. And it really set me into this mindset mm-hmm. where because I wanted to avoid thinking about my father's death for so long, I literally knocked door to door to start my solar company probably from nine in the morning until 9 p.m. for seven months.
0: Mm, Okay. So what type of mind frame? I mean, thank you for that. Man, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's not an easy topic to just definitely touch on. So I do appreciate you for sharing that with me. And so for a lot of people that are going through things, you know, in their life, you know, different obstacles, what, advice can you give person a uh, give someone young entrepreneur that maybe they didn't grow up in the best neighborhood that's come up, that can relate to a story like you
1: i think that the biggest advice would be to never quit and it sounds so cliche mm-hmm. but the mentality of it was like i was in a space where it, it felt like i was down 20 and it was the fourth quarter but because okay. i had no other option but but to try to fight to stay in the game, it put me in this mindset where I stopped being afraid of failure. I I was able to disattach emotionally because the death was so hard on me. It was like slamming the door in my face while I'm selling door to door. It's like, that doesn't bother me at all. Right. You know, and, and I was so disattached emotionally that the momentum I created was like something I can't describe. And it seemed like after three months of literally working morning to night every single day to avoid my own turmoil, it's almost like it hit me like a a ton of bricks. It's like, so if I really just apply every second of every minute of my life, I can really overcome anything. And it created this this confidence level that was unbreakable because I I feel like I've been – in the ocean drowning and it's 40 degrees in the water. It's like, I feel like I've already been there. That doesn't scare me anymore. I don't, I'm not scared to be in that place. Right. And I can operate at high levels of productivity when I'm in that space. And that gave me an insurmountable amount of confidence to never, ever, ever quit. I'm so in love with the game where I think a lot of people lose is they're in love with the trophies. Like some people play the game to get the trophy and the trophy is like, the social recognition, the type of people or the higher class of people that are now associating themselves with you. But for me, I'm so in love with the actual game itself. Like I love going to war. I love being challenged. I love when my back's up against the wall. I love when I don't know. I love when I lose. That really puts me in a space where I'm not attached to the to outcome of the game emotionally. And it allows me to play the game from a perspective of strategy alone, and that has really propelled my life into a different level of thinking.
0: Mm, I love that, man. Makes make sense. I definitely agree with you one hundred percent. Let me see. So, on that journey that you that you that you were on, so how much does the someone working for a solar company what's the commission like for that for one cell. I mean, is there multiple cells upgrades or just like one cell?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say the average, just based on system size and project size on average, I'd say about 4,000 a deal,
0: 4,000 a deal Mm -hmm. for that's for the employee. I mean, for, for the agent that's selling solar, right? That's correct. Man, that is a nice commission. I heard of something like that. So, um, I don't know if you care to share. So how much does that come for your business for closing the deal?
1: So the way we run our, our where I run my business is like I treat my uh, salespeople like independent contractors and business owners, and I teach right. them the strategies to go out and effectively market themselves. The way I've built it up up until this point is it's basically an eighty twenty percent. So the company only keeps about twenty percent of the profit. So like on the average deal, we make about eighteen hundred. Meanwhile, the sales consultant makes four thousand.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And so what made you structure it that way? You know, some people were going to like, no, you only get, you're getting 1800 and I'm getting the 4k. So what is it about you and your character and your business that made you want to structure it that way?
1: I wanted to challenge the entrepreneurship space to not focus on just profitability, but, uh, the amount of leverage that can create when you actually give people the tools to operate in their own space. And the, the amount of passive income and leverage that it's created by structuring my business that way is something like I can't describe. I mean, I, I feel like I don't. it doesn't matter what I do. Like money just appears in my account. Because I've created so, so much leverage that people sell solar panels for me every day. People I don't even know sell solar panels for me.
0: Not, not part of the business, or just like referrals no, and everything.
1: In, they're in, but I don't even know everybody in the company anymore. Wow, I can't name every single person that's in the company.
0: And this is your this is your own company that you have.
1: My own company, one hundred percent through and through,
0: through and through. And so you, you don't know how many people you have, any agencies you have, you just know that you you are racking in the dough, you're screwing the duck, I, you're screwing in the I money.
1: Have, I have thirty to as of today but like there's interviews happening every day. People are getting hired every day and there's so much leverage towards like, I don't even do interviews anymore. I don't even like, I'm not even a part of that initial process. Like I probably won't even meet you until you've sold 10 deals for me.
0: Nice. So you're a CEO. So what's your leadership like, you know, your leadership skills, how do you motivate and keep your leadership team motivated?
1: Uh, First and foremost, by being an example, I think that uh, if you want to see the habits of a company, look at the CEO. Right. And so I'm extremely hard on myself in terms of my personal habits, uh, what I do and how it affects the people that are looking up to me to make the right decisions for the group. Uh, Main thing is I've switched from uh, what I call force leadership to servant leadership, You see what I'm saying? And so the way that works out is like, I I still knock doors till this day, even though I'm the CEO. Right. And the kind of culture that doing what the bottom level person in our workforce does creates a kind of synergy between me and that person in a relationship that is invaluable. I'll still knock doors. I'll knock doors in the rain. I'll knock doors at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, we, we are firm believers in leading from the front. And in my company, there's no politics. It's performance.
2: Right.
0: Okay. Yeah, I learned that too. And,
1: and, and also, I've never yelled at any of, of the people that work for me. I've never raised my voice. I've never responded in anger. I purely treat myself like I'm their coach. I don't tell them what to do. Right. And, and, and also, intuitively okay. speaking, I'm not married to the money. I don't judge my success by how profitable I am, because if I do, it's a slippery slope because I'll start to do things that are profitable but aren't good. And I'm more than willing to lose money or miss out on money to be a righteous man than to say, why don't I just make all this money I can from this individual or do X, Y, and Z, uh, which is more beneficial for me. And I've taken the the stance to say, okay, look, let me figure out how I can create a company full of entrepreneurs who can go start their own solar uh, consulting businesses. Right. And we can have a partnership there. But like, I don't believe that men are supposed to work for other men. So even the men in this organization, none of them are. And here's the craziest thing, bro. Yeah. Every single person in my organization knows what I make from their production. I don't have to hide it because when the relationship is authentic, I don't have to do that. I don't have to hide the numbers. I don't have to pretend that things are something that they're not. Hmm. I can tell my employees, Hey, look guys, I'm a little short on cash this month. This is what we're working with. This is where we need to be. And because our relationship is so on par, like for example, and this is what people don't realize about what leadership really is when you're creating a company, you're creating a circle of safety your responsibility is to make every person in that organization who works day and night for your benefit, that they're doing okay. So I feel like equally as mine is, I feel like the people in my company, their family's my responsibility.
0: Mm, And for me,
1: my house is always open. There's been tight situations, even situations where I should have fired an employee. But instead of operating from this is the most profitable for me, I say, God is using me as a vessel today to make a difference in this person's life and put them back on the right track. So instead of just operating from that anger and saying, well, you made me lose $4,000 or this happened and you didn't meet your criteria. You didn't do this X, Y, and Z, right? When they're in those dark moments, it's about shedding your light in those dark places. Because for me, money is energetic. And the more people I can convince to turn their lights on, the more light there will be in the world. And by default, more light will point in my direction.
0: Ooh, man, dropping jewels, man, dropping jewels. So what happened in your life that made you want to structure your company under that leadership philosophy? Because a lot of people don't have their structure like that, but they believe in leadership, building up the people. So what happened or what philosophy or what, triggers you to to be like, yo, when I start my business, I want my business to be ran like this. I wanna be the servant and wanna get in their trenches and build that relationship with my team and with my company.
1: Yeah, so the first thing that happened was when I went over to learn the training systems that Vivint Solar had in place for their company, they were robbing me blind. I knew they were robbing me when I went into it, but I knew that the learning experience was gonna allow me to recreate that in, in, in a way that was more beneficial for me personally. Right. So they were robbing me and I go, look, I, I believe it's possible to start a company where sales consultants uh, get as much value out of their work as the company does. And okay. from that point on, it, honestly, it wasn't even like something that was super long and drawn out or like it took me months to epiphanize. It was really something like once I thought about that, I was like, okay, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a company where people are actually taught the lifetime skills that make them entrepreneurs right cuz like instead of like what most companies do is they place ceilings over the employees that they have that are extremely talented because they feel like it's going to take food off their table right whereas in my philosophy i feel like the further up i pull you the further up you'll push me and so my philosophy or my underpinning business philosophy is to always be of servant first. Mm. So it's like that buyer might have wronged you, but did you serve him?
2: Like that. Like that. Man, it's
0: good, man, it's good stuff that you're dropping here, man. I love everything that you're saying, man. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you too long, man. I'll try to keep these here to an hour, just to compact as much jewels as possible. Yeah. Um, so might be it might be a part two, might be part three, might might follow up. So I know you said, um, oh, you t- today you talked about the the mastermind that you have. Uh huh. So when when is that gonna happen? Take place?
1: It's gonna be on January 5th, and it's absolutely free, by the way.
0: Absolutely free. Mm-hmm. How many days?
1: It's going to be a sixty-day combine, as I call it.
0: Sixty-day combine. So the mastermind's going to last for sixty days.
1: Yeah, it's going to be twice a week for sixty days.
0: Twice a week. Okay, twice a week for sixty days. Okay, not every single day. And so, is this to jump wow. in the industry?
1: is said, "Is it what?
0: Is this to, uh, is this to to be a solar agent or to be uh, start your own solar company?
1: To start with- your own solar company."
0: Nice. Okay. And then will they work with you? Yes. What's the outcome that you're looking for that you would get?
1: So, I mean, initially what happens is is when people join my business, I give them all the tools, the resources. I I I use the leverage I have, the credit that I have to fulfill their job projects so that people get involved in the business. No money comes out of their pocket whatsoever. So, I really front load all of it because of how confident I am in my ability to teach people the system. Uh, And so we become partners, although they have their own company. Uh, Think of ECO, which is my company, as like uh, the NBA. Okay. Right? A competitive network. But the Golden State Warriors, although they're part of the NBA, the Golden State Warriors is an individual company.
2: Right. Copy.
1: Yeah. So they come and play at my arena and do, you know, they they compete in our – and prizes and all this stuff, right? They get our their training from us, etc. We're we're the instructor, but they still have complete autonomy to control their business. If they want to control it. They set their own wages, their own cost of labor, all that stuff.
0: No, that's dope, man. So how come? All right, wrap to wrap this up here, man. I don't want to give up too much. I thank you for taking time with the schedule, you are a CEO. So how can people get this information? How can they get in contact with you for the mastermind that you have coming up here uh, But in a couple of days?
1: I mean, honestly, I'd say right now I'm actually in the process of creating a funnel and a landing page and a quick webinar that's going to explain all that, which I'm going to release that probably in the next three days. So there actually will be a link that will automate that process for you. But for now, you can just send an email to uh, support at And uh, if you just put in the subject line, let me in the mastermind, I will add you to that list and you will basically get automated emails and text messages about uh, when we're having those events, what we're gonna be training on for the day, what videos are coming up and and what competitions, et cetera.
0: Whoo, man, there you go, guys. You have it. Dwayne, thank you for spending time and sitting with me. It's a pleasure picking your brain and understanding what makes you tick and how you got to this point that you are as a successful entrepreneur, a businessman, excuse me. Thank you, sir. I
1: appreciate that, bro. I'm more than welcome to come back anytime, man. We're going to keep dropping jewels on the people, man, because we have a country to save.
0: Yes, we do. Hey, man, you take care. Bless, brother. All
1: right, brother. Have a good one.
0: You too.